You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So I am so proud and so happy because, as a teacher, this is report card season. And I have to make my report cards and go over my report cards and hand them into the principals and sit down with the principals. And it's a good bunch of hours of work, but I am now done. I have completed my report cards. Um, actually, I have three corrections to make, but it's just a little grammar that's on my desk, and I will hopefully take care of that later. But let me explain. It, it, for some teachers... I have the grades, I write down the grades, end of story. We actually have two parts to our report cards. There's the, the grade side, the scholastic side, and then there's the social side. A- and you're, you're trying to be fair. You want everyone to be happy, but you want to make a point. A- and you just don't want to just write down the same grade all the way down. You've you got to be honest, because we're not honest, we're not helping the children. But I always explain to the boys in my class, they're only third grade. I don't think report cards is a make or break in their life. They could, if they look at it, they probably could care less. But even if they could care, I do bring out a point that is really part of this week's Torah portion. The Torah goes ahead and at one point says Aaron's name before Moses. And then it says Moses' name before Aaron. So the commentaries explain, Rashi says, because they were equal. And that's a little problematic. And I was how could you say Moses and Aaron are equal? I mean, Aaron was great. He's the high priest. Everybody loves Aaron. It's true. But Moses talks to God. And it says there's no prophet like Moses. And Moses brings down the Torah. And Moses splits the Red Sea. And the whole story through the next 40 years in the desert is all Moses. So how could you possibly say that Moses and Aaron are equal? doesn't make any sense. So I tell my class like this. I say, you know, if I could open up your brain and I could look inside and I could figure out what exactly is your potential, are you reaching your potential Are you really working hard? Are there issues in your brain? I don't say it's so detailed. But are there issues in your brain? Are there learning disabilities that doesn't allow you to understand material as easy as others might? Some people have a brain that memorizes without trying. Some have to go over it a hundred times and still are clueless. Where is your brain? So we could try and we could attempt. But the truth is at the end of the day, we don't really know. We don't know. Our goal is to try to get to work as hard as possible. We can decide you are working as much as you could. We could be wrong. Um, we could sometimes think you're lazy when in truth 
there's other issues going on. Maybe there's things happening in your home that are stopping you, that are slowing you down, that are troubling you. I just had a parent. Um, her son was sitting in the back. Now, I, there's two teachers. I'm in the morning, another teacher in the afternoon. And I don't have any difficulty controlling the class. But she does. So I tell her all the time, any seat changes are up to her. Anything that makes her life easier, switch them, I'll figure it out. And sometimes I agree with her, and sometimes I disagree with her. But there was a boy she had moved to the back. He's a quiet boy, nice boy, does his work. But it set him off. He was he was just so distracted. And all of a sudden became an issue. And the principal came in and had a de- I had to deal with him. I told the principal, I said, it's not a character. And I told the mother, I said, it's possible that the move to the back is just too... Um, too distracting for him. Sure enough, I come in today, his seat's all the way back, second from the front, he's like a changed boy. So, you know, we guess and we try and we tempt and we do the best we could and we have to bend bend a lot for children that are more difficult and so sometimes um, quieter children will suffer. There's a lot of of give and take and I'm not saying it's bad. It's not such a bad thing that it's not a perfect learning environment for everybody in my classroom. Let it not be perfect. Go figure out um, how to deal with distractions. Can you learn when things are not going your way? But at the end of the day, now I have to write a report card. So I tell them like this. Moses and Aaron are called equal. It is impossible. They, they, they're not the same people. Right? Moses, again, is the greatest prophet. He gets the Torah. He takes the Jewish people out of Israel. He's, he's the one standing in front of Pharaoh. Yes, Aaron is standing next to him. Right, but he's the leader. He deals with God. So the answer is that God knows exactly all my talents, what's inside, what I could do, what I can't do, what's, what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm not supposed to be doing. Everybody God knows. He, he, the whole picture is there. And that's why when we go up after this world and they pull out the books and they say, why didn't you do this? Oh, what do you mean, Why? How could I ever do such a crazy thing? No, we gave you those talents. Hey, that's the scary part. Am I fulfilling all my talents? Okay, that's debatable. How am I supposed to know? I guess we have to all hope that God puts us in a position where we have talents and we can use them. Now it's up to us to choose. Am I using my talents? Am I not using my talents? Am I doing what I'm capable, what I'm not capable? But the bottom line is Moses and Aaron, they fulfilled their talents to the top. Aaron did what he was supposed to do. He could become a high priest and love everybody and be kind and help people be friendly and help people uh, fix all their fighting and bickering. And Moses, the leader, that he can get us to Torah and he can deal with Pharaoh and he can deal with uprisings. He's that leader. They're different leaders. They have different... Nefesh is a very fancy Hebrew phrase. Right? They both have their abilities. They both took those abilities and went to the top. They're the same. They're equal. That was in God's report card. They both got excellent. A plus, 4.0, whatever, whatever the high grade is on your report card. I tell my boys, I said, we, I can't. I said, I wish I could know exactly your talents and know how to grade you. I can't. That's for God. So I do the best I could. I'm sure I make mistakes. And we don't worry about it. We move on with life. But I explained to them. I said, if you're the guy that can get a 98 without trying, 
and you only get a 92, as far as God is concerned, you failed. 98, I gave you a brain that if you study a little bit, you get 100, and you only get a 92, you fail. But if you're at a guy that the brain is only good for a 75, and you have to really work hard, and you get that 75, you got an A. Again, we're stuck. We can't really do that on our report cards, but really, really. Right? That's what the measuring stick is. Not what the measuring stick should be, because we don't know the measuring stick. Right? But God's measuring stick, the guy who can only get a 75, and he got the 75 with hard work, he is way better than the guy who could have gotten a 100 and got a 96. He's way better. Yes, in this world, we... We like those people with the 96. We, we look at them and say, wow, amazing. But really, really? Who really wins? Okay. But before we go on, now that we've told about report cards, now it's report card season. But before we go on, of course, so my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I do need your help. Let's get the show to spread. Let's take care of our costs here in-house. I need you to go to my homepage, please. Hit that donate button. If you want, you can leave a name. I'll give you a shout-out, a memory of happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever you like. And, of course, in advance, I do thank you. Okay. So now let's get into the Torah portion. So at the very beginning of the Torah portion, we have a very, really, it's a continuation from the end of last week's Torah portion. The end of last week's Torah portion, what happened was Moses had gone to Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't like the idea of his slaves thinking they're going free. So Pharaoh increases the labor. He makes the, the work impossible. In other words, until now, the Egyptians delivered the straw, and the Jews made bricks. I mean, it's slavery. It's, it's crazy work, but I guess to some extent it was doable. Now Pharaoh says, no more straw. Okay, so first people figured, okay, so Sundays will be straw collecting day, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll have to increase the amount of bricks I make by a few to make up for... What I'm missing on Sunday. And the message comes back that you misunderstood. I want your quota of bricks daily. It's not a weekly quota. It is a daily quota. And I need your bricks daily, or I'm demanding your daily amount of bricks. Now, that's impossible because you got to walk for miles in the fields to collect all the straw that you need for that day's bricks. So you're running to collect the straw. You're, you just wasted hours of your day to make the normal bricks. It's impossible. It, it's just impossible. But the point was, if you're so busy, you won't have time to talk about going free. That's what the Pharaoh was trying to accomplish. And this crazy work is going to go on for the next six months. Moses doesn't, does not do it himself. God sends to take out the Jewish people. He thinks he's helping the Jewish people. He shows up to Pharaoh's palace, as dangerous as that may be. He does exactly what God says. And now the Pharaoh has increased the workload. Like, what's Moses supposed to think? So he asks God in the very end of last week's Torah portion, he says, why did you do bad to this people? (laughs) That's a dangerous question to ask God, but that is the question that Moses asked God, and God basically lets Moses have it. I appeared to the forefathers, and I made them promises, and they never saw me fulfill my promises, and they also had questions, but they never questioned what I was doing. You 
Moses, the first time something goes wrong, not the way you imagine, your first reaction is, God, why do you do bad to these people? So God says to Moses, he says, the problem is you don't really understand. I'm good. Everything I do is for a purpose. Just because you don't know the purpose doesn't mean it's not good. So you don't get to question to say, like, what am I doing? You're, you're questioning how God is working, what God's calculations are. Maybe you want to understand God's calculations, okay? But the fact of the matter is you are questioning God's calculations. So God tells Moses, I'm good, you don't understand. We got to get the Jewish people out. They cannot survive in Egypt any longer. Their, their, their level of, I guess, of, of non-spirituality, they will sink so low I'll never be able to take them out. The problem is they're owed, they owe a certain amount to work. Part of the deal is they're going to work a certain amount in Egypt to be able to go out. They need to accomplish a certain amount of work. So what we'll do is I'll make Pharaoh increase the, the, the slavery, the, 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 the work so much, so intense, that will speed up the time. That will allow me to take the Jewish people out early. You just didn't understand it, Moses. You don't just get to question just because you don't understand what's going on. Okay, and that's the truth is, everything in life is that way, right? If I would understand everything that God is doing has its purpose and has its reason and is to my benefit. But the problem is we're busy asking God because we don't understand. We don't see the whole picture. I probably told you this once before. Nachmanides had a student who was, uh, who was sick, was dying. So Nachman, says to the student, he says, you know, you're going you're gonna to die, and you're going to go up to heaven, and first you're going to go into one room, and you're going to see this and this, and see that, and go to another room, and you're going to see this, you're going to go to another room, and then you're going to get to the next room. And in that room lies all the answers. And I have these questions. I need you to come back to me in a dream with all the answers. Okay. So, sure enough, the student passes away. Sometime later, he comes back to Nachmanides in a dream, and he says, my teacher, you're right. The first room, exactly as you described it. And the second room, exactly as you And the third room, yeah, great. And the fourth room? When I got to the fourth room, there are no more questions. That's it. And as we don't see the big picture, it's impossible for us to see the big picture. How are we supposed to see the big picture? But we don't see the big picture, and therefore, we are stuck with questions. And as another uh, cute story is told, there was a man who was living to a ripe old age. Many of his friends had already died. And somebody went to him and said, you know, uh, how do you, why are you living so long? How, how is it that you're so old? So the guy said, tell you the truth. He says, you know, a lot of my friends walk around all day long, or used to walk around all day long, and they ask this question about God and that question about God. And the next question, how come God does this? And how come God does that? And how come God's doing the next thing? I didn't walk around asking questions. And my friends that had all those questions, see, God said to them, you have questions? No problem. I'll give you all the answers. The only problem is to give you the answers, you got to come upstairs with me. So they died young. You know, I'm in no rush to get answers to all my questions. So God lets me stay down here. Okay, true, not true, I have no idea, but the point is certainly fascinating. Okay, so moving along in the Torah portion, so Moses is going with Aaron again, 
after the six month of intense labor. So Moses and I go back to Pharaoh, and God tells them, when you go in front of Pharaoh, you're going to have to make a sign. Now, it's, Pharaoh is a superstar magician, what we call Kishof. And if you can't do, oh, for me, it's miracles, right? But if you can't do anything that he's going to say, wow, he's not even going to talk to you. He has no reason to listen to you. We need to give him a sign that the Pharaoh needs a reason why he should listen to you. Okay? So you're going to throw that, you're going to tell Aaron to throw down his stick. Aaron's stick will turn into a snake, and we'll take it from there. Okay? So Moses and Aaron walk into Pharaoh's palace, which, by the way, in itself is a miracle, right? And as I, besides being a teacher, I'm also a fundraiser. And you don't get to just walk into people's offices because you want to, right? If you make an appointment and if you can get the appointment, um, and then if they do not cancel on the appointment, then you get your meeting. And that's just what a regular business person. And if I wanted to meet the president, which I don't think is practical or real, if you happen to have the right contacts and the right pull and, and, and big donors, perhaps they can get you 30 seconds, you know, with a photo op. Maybe. Maybe they could. Probably they can't. But a king, you don't get to walk in on a king. How do you get an appointment? And, and the truth is, nowadays things go fast. In those days, it was if, even if you were the kind of person who could get an appointment, you might wait months till the king has time for you. So Moses, again, so you go to the White House. I was there once outside, and there's guards, and there's gates, and you don't walk in. You get to just walk in. No one's letting you walk in. But Moses and Aaron just walk in. The guards are going to stand there saying nothing. The lions that are there as the guard attack dog, lion, whatever they are, they, uh, they're just going to sit there quietly. Moses going to just mosey on in. Now, how he knew where to go, he didn't know where to go. He just walked. And then all of a sudden, he's by Pharaoh's uh, throne room. And he just walks right in. Okay. That in itself, by the way, should tell you that this is somebody that you should deal with. But that clearly was not enough to, uh, to impress Pharaoh. So he tells, so Pharaoh says, yeah, what do you want? God sent us. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who God is. Never heard of him. So Moses tells Aaron to throw down his stick, and his stick turns into a snake. Pharaoh says, this is your trick. <laughs> this is magic 101. Snaps his fingers. In comes school children. They throw their sticks on the floor. Some say Pharaoh's wife also came in and threw her stick on the floor. And the floor is teeming with snakes. Now, there happens to be some rules and regulations when it comes to this type of magic, this kishof. And that is, it's not long-lasting. It doesn't last. It, it, it disappears. And eventually, your snake will turn back into a stick. I don't know at a time. I'm not sure how long, whatever. Not so important. Anyway, so now we've got a bunch of sticks on the floor. And now Aaron's stick proceeds to swallow all their sticks and not give them back. Now that is a good trick because the kishab is not supposed to be able to do that. So the pharaoh at least has to listen He's still not impressed, 
but at least he has to take them seriously. Now, some say it's an interesting thought. Why wasn't the Pharaoh impressed? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, so the answer that I've seen is Pharaoh said, how do I know you walked in with a stick and turned it into a snake and that that stick should have the ability to swallow? That, you're right, normal magic, my magic can't do that. But how do I know that's what happened? Maybe what really happened is you walked in with a snake and you did your magic to make it look like a stick. Well, a snake could swallow other sticks. So later on, when Aaron's going to take his stick and, and hit the river, and the snake and the stick, or the snake, but the stick he's hitting with remains a stick, that means it's not magic because if you sprinkle water onto something that magic was done to, it immediately turns back into its original form. So how do you do magic on the river to turn into blood? I, I guess that you could do that. I have no idea. Sorry, no idea. But an interesting question is, why was this the sign that God wanted them to show? Why was this the sign that God said? He could have done anything, right? He could have made a volcano erupt in the palace room, right? He could have had all their chairs floating in the air, right? There's a lot of stuff that God could do. He could turn all his officers into mice. Like, like, why was this it? So everything comes with a message. Now, I tell my classes all the time, when you're a king... Part of being a king means that you catch on to messages. Because if you don't catch on to messages, you shouldn't be sitting in that throne. Because a lot of stuff can't be said to a king. Because it would be rather insulting. So you have to be able to get your point across um, in a very pleasant manner. But the message is clear. So the message was like this. Pharaoh says, and it's a verse in Psalms, Pharaoh said, I am the, the mighty serpent in the river. Right? Was, the river is God, but I'm the serpent in the river. I am like a God. So Moses says, no. You say you're a serpent, right? Okay, stick, serpent. Pharaoh, this serpent represents you. And what happens to the serpent? You turn into a dead piece of wood. And that, Pharaoh, is what's going to happen to you. You, are, you. you feel, you say, you are the great serpent. <laughs> You're the great serpent that's going to turn into a block of wood. Well, not a block of wood, but a stick of dead wood. That is what's going to happen to you by the time God has finished bringing all his plagues on Egypt. In the next show, we'll spend a lot of time talking about the plagues. But for now, we're just getting into the intro with Moses having a conversation, not no conversation, but at least a very clear message, and trust me, Pharaoh understood good and well Moses' message. Pharaoh could care less. Because one thing that's for sure is going to happen over and over and over again, and that is the Pharaoh is never impressed. He is not impressed with all the miracles, because Pharaoh's going to claim eh, you're just a better magician than my guys. My guys are magicians, you're magicians, we're all magicians. Like, hey, you're a little better than me. But I'm not impressed. Because if I am impressed, then I have to say there's a God. And the last thing that Pharaoh wants to do is say there's a God. Now, one last thing for today, at least, at least for this show, a very important question. So Moses says to Pharaoh, let the Jewish people go. 
what is Moses thinking? I mean, good, he's God's messenger. He has to do exactly what God says. But what exactly is the point in saying that God said, let the Jewish people go? Do you actually believe for a second that Pharaoh would say, oh, Moses, you want the Jewish people to leave? Of course. Tell them they can start packing their bags. I will have all the buses and trains ready to transport them wherever you wish. Red carpet treatment, slavery is over, of course. Why should Moses think in his wildest dreams that the Pharaoh is going to let the Jewish people leave? And this question will have to remain unanswered, and I will try to answer it in the next show. But, of course, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tree Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRS Dreamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.